so good to see everybody. We have some, some new people tonight, which is really cool before spring break to just have a lot of new people here. It's just really cool. Tonight we have a couple special guests, Pastor Jonathan Bartholo, the guy over here, the bald dude. So Jonathan actually started Chi Alpha here five years ago now, or yeah, five and a half years ago. So he's a legend. Get to know him. And then also in the back, we got an awesome guy named Matt Loomis, who's our youth director here in the state of Iowa for our denomination. So it's incredible to have them both. So I'm so thrilled to see each of you tonight. And tonight we're jumping into part two of our current sermon series called Follow, which is just all about following Jesus. So, so last week we talked about abiding in Jesus, which is you know, spending time with him, you know, reading the Bible, praying, getting in his presence. This week we're talking about the call of Jesus on each of our lives to abandon the things that hold us back from, or from relationship with him and to go all in in our faith. And then next week we're having our, or not next week, two weeks, we're going to have our missions night and we're going to talk about this call to be apostles, to bring the gospel where it's not known. So that's going to be a really incredible night. I encourage you, come ready to give. We really want to bless the missionaries and just send them on their way. So, but before we dive into that, I want to make a, just a really cool announcement tonight. So, so over the last, it's been a couple of months now, we've been considering what to do about our room situation. So there's been nights that this room is pretty much completely packed out, uh, you know, hitting 75, 80%, 85. And, you know, with this type of room, with the seats so close together, it gets pretty crowded. And, and we're thinking about the fall and, uh, and the fact that we're going to be adding a bunch of small groups. We're going to have new leaders. And, and we really think we're going to keep growing. So we need to find a new or, this, or just a new location. So we started looking around campus, and, and the only room that actually works is a massive room called Lang Auditorium, and seats 800 people. So, but there's a way to make it seem smaller, but, but that's the only room that works. The problem is, is on Thursday nights, basic meets and, are in the Lang Auditorium. So we had to consider, hey, or is it worth it to maybe change our night? So after praying about it, we just found that God actually wanted us to change nights or regardless of the room because it just makes so much sense so what we're going to do is we're going to move to Tuesday nights in the fall so yeah and so what I want to do so first of all with Lang Hall uh, we're not going to be able to get in there until like the winter of next year because it's been reserved on quite a few Tuesdays and or in August and September but so we're going to be here on Tuesday nights kicking off in the fall but then we'll transition over to Lang. So I just want to give you guys a few reasons why we're moving to Tuesday nights so you completely understand what we're doing. So the first reason is moving into Lang in the winter, as I said. The second reason is we want our small groups to be more connected to our, our Tuesday night gatherings now, I guess, is what we're calling it, kind of crazy. But uh, so we want them to be more of a response to our sermons so we can really discuss what's happened during our gatherings. So, so right now we're doing our small groups are on Monday, Tuesdays and we're doing our gathering on Thursday, so we're going to switch that to, or to where our gathering is on Tuesday, and then our small groups are on Wednesday and Thursdays. Third thing is to give students who can't go to a campus ministry on Thursday nights another option. If you know, there's like three or four campus ministries that all meet on Thursday nights, and nobody meets on Tuesdays, so just to give people another option. Uh, the fourth thing is more distance between our large group gatherings and our Friday night events. So there's something we're big about is having Friday night parties, and Friday night services, and just, just really fun events on Fridays, but, you know, for me at least, going hard on Thursday nights, and then going hard on Friday nights can be hard, and I think it's hard for the students and the student leaders, so or, or having that separation from Tuesday to Friday, I think is going to be really beneficial, and then just two more reasons here, 
uh, or I think at the beginning of the week to go along with that one, I think people are more charged up. They're like, all right, so I'm going to take on the week. I'm excited. I'm excited about that test. No, okay, not really. But people have more energy. I think there's less fatigue. And the final thing is I was expecting to have a much smaller group tonight because the Thursday before Thanksgiving was a pretty small night. Uh, and that's the problem of having an event on Thursday nights. Sometimes people leave early. So I was thinking we'd have an, or increased attendance to do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays or on weeks before long weekends. So with all these things considered, we're taking a step of faith and moving to Tuesday nights. And it's scary for me because I came into Chi Alpha, the first service we ever had in here on a Thursday night, and it's just what I know, it's what people know, it's what the student leaders know. But I think that if we obey Jesus and take this step of faith, I think we're going to just see him just bless our ministry. And yeah, let's give it up for Jesus. And also, I know you guys are scheduling your classes at this time, so be or keep that in your keep that in your mind to not schedule classes on Tuesday nights now. So, yeah, so we are following Jesus into a new chapter for our journey as Kyle for you and I. And ever since this ministry began in 2010, we've had our meetings on Thursday night. But I'm excited and eager to see where the next chapter takes us as we position ourselves to grow into the future. So it's kind of cool because, or I didn't plan this, but our move to Tuesday nights actually like really goes along with our sermon. See, in order to follow Jesus, we must be willing to follow him wherever he calls us to go. See, the sermon title tonight is just abandon, to abandon everything that holds us back and not, or not let anything get in the way of our relationship with God. And, and I believe Jesus is calling us to make this move. So it goes along with, with our sermon tonight. So, so when you're following Jesus, you never know what he might have next for you. But the key is that you're willing to go when he calls. You're willing to abandon the things that he asks you to abandon. And we're seeing that in our ministry, and I think we're also going to see that in our lives as we continue to grow into the image of Christ. So when Jesus introduces himself to us or reintroduces himself to you, he sometimes asks us to embark on new journeys, to give up old habits, or, or just rearrange some things in our lives. In the Gospels, we see that although Jesus is incredibly loving and affirming, and he meets people right where they're at, Jesus also demands that people leave everything to follow him. He demands that people give him first place in their lives. Matthew? <laughs> Anyways. So sometimes Jesus calls us to hard things. It'll end soon. So he calls us to go to hard places. He calls us to give up things that are holding us back from being all that he's called us to be. The beautiful thing, though, is when we give our entire hearts, when we give up our whole lives to Jesus, he brings us joy, love, peace, and satisfaction. We find our purpose when we're fully abandoned to Jesus. We were made to be fully, fully abandoned to Jesus, to, to worship him with our whole hearts, to give him our whole lives. We were made for this, but we often struggle to take that step of faith, to leave that old habit, to, or to leave the things that hold us back. We struggle to do whatever it takes in order to grow closer to him. So maybe for you guys, it's giving up a video game. Guys in this room, like maybe God's calling you to that. Or maybe it's an unhealthy relationship that God wants you to give up so you can grow closer to him. Or maybe you're holding on to bitterness towards someone who, or towards someone who hurts you, and God wants to call you to forgive that person and move on from that. If you want to follow Jesus, he will demand that you sometimes rearrange things in your life and give him first place. The great thing about it is we don't have to do it alone, though, because Jesus comes alongside us for the journey, and he helps us along the way. He doesn't expect us to just be perfect 
or to muster up enough effort to do this on our own, but he fuels us to do this with his love. And we're going to talk about his love tonight. We're going to talk about the gospel and how the gospel is what fuels us to give things up in order to get closer to him. So it's not like, hey, figure it out, obey me, and then I'll love you. No, Jesus loves us so much, and then we obey him. So tonight we're going to see this concept in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. So if you want to turn there. So the book of Mark is one of my favorite gospels. Uh, the gospels are just the accounts in the Bible or the New Testament of Jesus' life and ministry. And there's four gospels in the New Testament. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So John's the fourth one. and Well, Mark is the one we're talking about. So Mark's the second one. And, and Mark is one of my favorites for a couple of reasons. First, it's the first gospel written. So it's written really close to Jesus' life. It's written in 60 AD, which is only 25 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So think about that. Go back to 1991, people who lived in 1991, probably not very many of us. There's a few of us. But, uh, but if you lived in 1991, you can remember the things that happened. So, so it's very, especially for those who keep records, and people did keep records during those times. It's not like everyone's just like, hey, we're ancient, so we don't take records. No, they wrote stuff down. And uh, so we know that, or that Mark is very accurate. And that's not saying that the other Gospels aren't, but we have a, or an extra degree of certainty with Mark, just as a, you know, just historically speaking, that is very accurate. Something else I like about Mark is it's very short and to the point. So it's only 16 chapters, and some of the other Gospels are like 28 chapters. And it just, Jesus is just kicking butt, just right away. They don't even have the Christmas story, which sometimes I appreciate it's a Christmas story. It's like talking about the wise men, the shepherds. It's all cool. But I just want to get into the good stuff, you know. So I'm not saying it's not good. But, but it's kind of nice and nice just to get short and to the point. So in Mark, Jesus is on a clear mission to set things right because things have been broken. He's on a mission to set things right and to, and to complete the task that God has given him, to proclaim the gospel, to die on a cross for the sins of the world. So in chapter 10, we jump right into the middle of Jesus' ministry. He's healing people. He's preaching. He's turning the world upside down. And in this context, this curious young man approaches him and asks him, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? So let's read it. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the young man said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him and loved him, which is very important, and said to him, or he says, You lack one thing, go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to, or to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly, exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we left everything and followed you. 
Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So the main point tonight is this. The appropriate response to God's love is to give our whole lives to him. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we pray that you would be with us throughout the rest of this message. God, I pray that the words would just jump off the page of the scriptures, Lord, and and tonight that you would speak to, to each of us in your own way, God. God, we thank you so much for tonight. Just pray that you be with us in your name. Amen. All right. So as I said, the appropriate response to God's love is to give our whole lives to him. So let's look at verse 19 through 22 again. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, and he said, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Then disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. So this is interesting. This man kept all the commandments, but Jesus said it's, it's still not enough. Jesus got to the bottom of it and saw that the man was only obeying these commandments to get God to give him eternal life. His heart wasn't truly after God. This man loved possessions and God's stuff more than he loved God himself. He was only keeping the commandments so he could get benefits or benefits from God. And it wasn't obedience in response to God's love. If he was obeying in response to God's love, then he would have been willing to give up anything for him. God doesn't want us to, to obey him just so we can get our stuff from him or eternal life. He wants us to obey him out of love and gratitude and a response to the fact that he saved us. When we obey out of gratitude for his marvelous love, then we will be willing to give up anything for him. God is after more than just those obeying some set of rules. God's not just this master rule keeper up in heaven saying, keep this rule, keep this rule, keep this rule. No, God wants our hearts. If we're truly in love with God and understand the gospel, then we're not just going to obey a, or a few rules so we can get into heaven. We're going to give God our entire lives. We're going to surrender to him and give our hearts to him. So many of us do obey God, so he'll love us or give us things, but we need to understand that God is not after this kind of obedience. God is after the kind of obedience that's all in and says, I'm motivated by God's love. So let's paint this picture. So the gospel is not we obey and therefore we're loved. That's important. See, our culture tells us, like, obey and then God will love you. No, the gospel is we are incredibly loved, and out of that, then we obey God. This man was just trying to, to pass the test to get into eternal life. He's saying, if I obey, then God will love me. No, this man needed to know that Jesus loved him so much that he died on the cross for him. And the only way to respond to that, the only appropriate, or the only appropriate response to that kind of love is to give our whole lives to Jesus because he gave everything for us. We need to understand this. This is fundamental. We do not obey God to get him to give us things. We obey God because we're so in love with Jesus. We've been so transformed by the gospel. We've been so transformed by the cross. Let's not make the same mistake as this young man who goes to Jesus and says, hey, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Give me my, or get out of hell free card, please. Like, what do I gotta do? Just give me that card and I can 
or get out of hell. No, Jesus wants us to be all in for him. So the first point tonight is this. In order to follow Jesus, we must abandon the things that hinder us from, or from following him and surrender our entire lives to him. So let's look at verse 21 again. So it says, And Jesus, looking at him and loved him and said to him, or he says, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. This passage on its surface can seem like, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to sell everything and give it to the poor. So I remember when I read this passage as a freshman in college, I was like, oh, shoot. What do I got to sell, Jesus? I got too many movies, Lord, please. What do I got to sell? I can remember sitting in Norin, or second floor, and looking at my DVDs. And I, you know, I, I had worked so hard throughout high school to, co- to collect these movies. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to sell them. Do I have to? Do I have to? And then finally I said, I'll sell them, but I couldn't really figure out how to sell them. I, like, I didn't know how to work Craigslist, and I didn't end up selling them. But, uh, but I also realized that, uh, that Jesus wasn't really after me just doing this so he'll love me. You see, like, that's not how it works. Okay? Like, it's not like, oh, once I sell these things, then Jesus will love me. No, Jesus already loves me. And just because that's how Jesus worked with that or with a man in this passage doesn't mean that's the way he works with all of us. Okay? For some of you, maybe that's it. Maybe possessions are your God. And, and Jesus is saying, sell it all. Be poor. You can just live on the benches out by the Campanile, play your guitar, grow out your hair. Like maybe that's for you. But the key is we must be willing to give up anything that God asks us to give up. We must root out anything that comes between us and God. We must bring our idols to the feet of Jesus and surrender them to him. And we must root out all things that consume us and put a gap or put a barrier between us and God. For you, this may not be possessions, but maybe it's your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe, or maybe you compromise your faith for them. It could be sports. It could be homework. Maybe you've been or just neglecting Jesus for these secondary things. It could be anything and everything. Each of us are different, and each of our hearts are in different places. Like We really have to ask God, what am I putting before you? We have to seriously look at ourselves and say, hey, what is the most important thing in my life? And if it's not Jesus, we need to have a serious moment with God and get right with him. So in an earlier chapter of Mark, Jesus explains the path to following him. It's Mark 8, verse 35. I'll read it. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is really powerful. If we try to preserve our lives, if we live for accumulating stuff and getting success and just building our name up, then we're actually going to lose our lives. But if we surrender our lives to Jesus and allow him to be the Lord of our lives, then we're going to save our lives. We have to live open-handed before God. We have to allow him to speak into any area and have his way in our lives. We have to be, or be willing to abandon everything and surrender to him. We have to root out the things that come between us and him and live a life of abandon to God. So God is always after our surrender and our willingness to abandon all for him. So for me, growing up, one of my biggest idols was I wanted to find a wife, okay? I was like eight, and I was like, Jesus, please, bring me that girl in third grade class. Please, Lord. I just wanted to have an awesome wife who loved Jesus and who I could cherish. So I looked for her 
everywhere. I think I dated like 32 girls in, in middle school, okay? And, and none of them were my wife. Uh, and it didn't really stop. When I got to college, Jonathan knows this story so well. It's really awkward that he's here tonight because he was <laughs> in the middle of all this. So, so when I got to college, there was multiple girls who I was interested in. And Jonathan saw it. He's like, this dude's a flirt, man. I remember him <laughs> coming after me. All right, so... So, uh, and, and I was just so after trying to find a wife, okay? And, and I actually met Emily, or in the midst of this, where's she at? Back there. Emily, I'm not talking about the other Emily. So, so I met Emily in the midst of this, and, but I'd already had like a relationship with another girl because I was so eager. And, and one Chi Alpha service, I can still remember, uh, or that night we had a guest speaker, and God just spoke to me and said, hey man, you need to give up that relationship because it's not right for you. So that night, it was a Thursday night, I had to have the hard talk with the girl. I still remember she hated me so much, like seriously hated me, put hate notes on my door, like she really hated me. Uh, but uh, I was a jerk though, to be honest. But so then, I'm serious, I deserved it. So the next day, then we had our fall retreat, and I happened to be riding in the same car as Emily, down a fall retreat, and, and you know, our friendship developed even more. And you know, I wasn't really thinking about, you know, like romance at that point, but, but at fall retreat, God spoke to me during one of the services. I felt like God spoke to me and said, hey, I need you to give up dating. You know, like he didn't give me a specific time, but I was like, you know what sounds good? I'm going to give up dating for a whole year. I'm going to give it up for a year, Lord. I'm doing it. You know, like that big altar moment. I'm going to be single. God, I got this, okay? So I made that decision. I told all my friends. I told Pastor Jonathan. He's excited about it. He's like, finally, that dude will stop flirting. <laughs> uh, so I was really pumped about it. About two weeks later, I started to realize that I was really, I felt like, I felt like God seriously spoke to me and said, Emily's going to be your wife, and I just knew it. And, and we ended up dating. Eight months later, we got engaged, and then a year after we got engaged, we got married. So I didn't last a year. I lasted like 14 days or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but I had to put this, I had to figure out what God was doing, so I came up with this explanation. I felt like God was just calling me at Fall Retreat to surrender my dating relationships to him because I'd always been seeking for that. That's, that was my God, was to find a wife, okay? Like, Jesus was not the first thing in my life. Dating and finding a wife was the first thing in my life. And God had to crush that, or crush that idol so that I could be truly used by him. And then it was crazy. A couple weeks later, or actually, like that day pretty much, I realized that Emily was you know, supposed to be my wife. So it's just incredible how God works. God is always after our surrender. He's always after us giving him everything and saying, God, whatever you want to do, whatever you're going to call me to do, God, nothing is off limits in my life. Even my biggest dreams, Lord, is not off limits. I'm giving you everything. God is opposed to anything that distracts us from him. We have to be diligent about, or about removing things from our lives that distract us from him. It doesn't mean that we can't have things that are important to us, but it means that everything in our, ni- or in our knives, in our lives, need to be subservient to Christ. We need to put Christ before all things. So what are some things in your, or in your life that you're putting before Christ? Maybe it's money or homework or sports or music. It could be a number of things. We need to examine our lives and make sure that Christ has first place. The beautiful thing about surrendering is that it's not done, though, to or to Earnest God's love, but it's simply a response to his extravagant love. So the second point is this. In order to surrender everything to Jesus, we need to understand his love for us. If we hope to get to this place of surrendering our lives and abandoning the things that hold us back, 
then we need to understand the love of God. It needs to be motivated by God's love. Our, our surrender and abandon cannot be motivated by this desire to get God to love us. If I just do this thing, then he'll love me. The reality is that God already loves us so much. Our abandon needs to be motivated by the love that God has shown us through the cross of Jesus. We need to allow the love of God to push us to do the surrendering. Once again, I'm going to go through this again. The gospel is not we obey and therefore we are loved. The gospel is we are incredibly loved and therefore we obey. In other words, we're so infinitely loved by God that we cannot help but give up the things that come between us and him. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to understand this truth. God loves us so much that he sent his own son to die for us while we were still sinners. We didn't deserve it. God sent his own son to die for us or so we could be reconciled to God. 1 John 4.19 says, says this, we love because God first loved us. It's not, it's not we love so God will love us. No, it's we love because God first loved us. So notice when Jesus challenged this man to give up his possessions, it says he looked at him and he loved him. It was out of love that Jesus called him out of that. Jesus, loves, or Jesus loved this man so much and he loves each of you so much that he points out the parts of our lives that are destroying us. He points out the areas where we are not giving God first place and need to make some adjustments. For this young man, Jesus knew that his love for possessions was destroying him. It ruled his life. Jesus then goes on to say, it's incredibly difficult for the wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples asked him this question, then who can be saved? Then who can be saved? If, a if it's a camel through an eye of a needle, that's crazy. That's really hard. Who can be saved if that's how hard it is? And Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. We often take this verse and apply it to random situations, but Jesus was specifically applying it to salvation. On man's power, it's impossible for us to be saved. We cannot do enough things to stand clean before God. We will always be sinful. We will always be rebellious. We will always hold things back from God. The only way, the only way we can be saved and give our hearts truly to God is if his grace floods our lives. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that nobody can boast. It's by God's grace that we're saved. It's not by our works. We need to get that in our bones. It's not by our works. We can never do enough to be saved. On our own strength, we cannot surrender these things and, and make God the Lord of our lives. We need to first be overwhelmed by the love of God, the love of God that dies for us while we're still sinners. We need to have God come and make our dead hearts come to life before we can ever hope to truly give him everything. The beautiful thing to remember is that, is that when we surrender to God, our faith leads to eternal life. So let's read this, 29 and 30. Jesus said, 
Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and this is important, and and in the age to come, eternal life. So the disciples said, we've given up everything for you. We left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, be assured, it's going to lead to greatness. It's going to lead to eternal life. It's not in vain. We don't surrender in vain. In God's presence, there's fullness of joy. It says that Jesus came so we could have life and have it abundantly. It says that when we believe in God, it gives us the right to become children of God. We need to understand this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We get everything. We really give up nothing, and we get everything. And then everything minus Jesus equals nothing. You can get everything you want in this world. You can get the best grades. You can get the most money, the nice cars, the great wife, whatever. And it's going to be nothing if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to be nothing if you don't have eternal life. God's going to look at you and say, hey, what would you do with the life I gave you? He's going to ask each of us that question. I don't want to say, hey, I just built an empire for my own name. I want to help advance God's kingdom and do his purposes on this earth. So one man who did this, he's just a hero of the faith. His name was Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a young man who just had this dream of reaching unreached people in Ecuador. In particular, he wanted to reach this tribe called the, I think it's the Hirani people. It's hard to say. I'm not saying it again. So they had no understanding of the gospel, and they were violent toward outsiders. And after years of preparation and prayer and planning, he finally gets this opportunity to reach and have contact with them. The terrible thing was, it was on first contact, he and four other missionaries were killed by 10 of their warriors. And that was on January 8th, 1956. So, so he never had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. He gave his whole life for this, and he didn't even get to share Jesus. They just killed him. He didn't have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. The beautiful thing, though, is his wife Elizabeth was able to continue his efforts among these people. And there's more missionaries who came after him and continued his work. In one of his journal entries on October 28, 1949, so seven years before he got killed, he wrote this. He said, or said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim was someone who was willing to abandon everything so that he could know Jesus and so that other people could know him. He's willing to give everything. He said, I'm not a fool. He said, I'm really giving up nothing and I'm gaining everything. The Apostle Paul shared similar sentiments. So in Philippians 3.8, he says this. I love this verse. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of their surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All things as rubbish to Paul in order that I might gain Christ. To follow Christ, we have to have this mindset. We have to be so overwhelmed with God's love for us and the people around us that we're willing to do whatever it takes to grow closer to him, and to bring other people to him. But in order to surrender to God, we first have to be overwhelmed by his love. I promise you, Jim Elliott knew God's love. The Apostle Paul knew God's love. He let the gospel change him. The fact that 
we're first loved and then we obey. The fact that each of us is incredibly flawed, we're more flawed than we could ever dream, but we're by the same time being so flawed, so sinful, we're more loved than we could ever imagine. That permeated their hearts where they were willing to do anything. They were willing to give up anything so that Christ could be advanced in this world. We have to first understand God's love. And some of you are struggling to understand that tonight. And I just want to implore, I just want to beg you to consider the fact that Christ came and died on the cross for you. It's infinite love. God came down from his kingdom. He came down from heaven. He becomes a man and he dies on the cross for you so that you could have life. That's so powerful. When we understand that kind of love, we're willing to give up anything to take the gospel to people who just have never heard it and to follow God, to follow Jesus. So the worship team would come up. Hey, Mackenzie, can you dim the lights back there? Down on the bottom. Just click it. Perfect. Good job. All right, so the main spot, or the main point tonight is this. The appropriate response to God's love is to give our whole lives to him. The appropriate response to God's love is to give our whole lives to him. In order to truly surrender your life to God, you need to understand his love for you. So last week, I, t- I told you about this devotional time I had when I just read this verse. It's so powerful. John 1, 12. We can throw that up there. I just want to preach this verse every week because this is this just is transformational. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received Jesus and believed in his name, God gave the right to become his child. We need to get this. Through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, he gives each of us the right to be a son or daughter of God. Before we can ever hope to abandon the things that hold us back, we have to understand that if we put our faith in Christ, God calls you son, God calls you daughter. I'm still trying to understand that truth. I don't think I've even come close to grasping it. That God looks at me as someone who rebelled against him in so many ways, who tried to do my own thing for so many years. And he cares enough about me that even in the midst of my rebellion, God says, I'm not gonna leave him that way. But I'm gonna send my own son to come and live a perfect life that I could never live to pay the debt that I could never pay, which is death on a cross. And then not just to stop there, but then to defeat death and rise from the dead. And then through that, I can become God's son. Through that, each of us can become sons and daughters of God. That's incredible. And we need to allow that to transform us. And when we know deep in our guts, like when we know that God calls us a son or daughter, when we know that, then we're then we're willing to give up anything because he's a good father and he wants the best for us. And we're willing to give up anything that's holding us back in our faith. But when we come to God and think he's some taskmaster, 
who says, obey this rule, obey this rule, obey this rule, and then I'll love you, that's not going to be sustainable. We're not going to be able to keep following Jesus for our whole lives. The only way we can persevere in our faith is so we understand that he calls us a son or daughter. I believe that there's some of you who, who you've never like, like you're like the rich young man, like you're wondering, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? And I believe tonight that Jesus wants to flood your heart and save you. I believe that with all my heart. I believe God, I believe that the people that come into this room are never an accident. I believe God brings each person into this room for a specific time on a specific night because he wants to do something in your life. He wants to encounter you. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I believe tonight is your night. I believe that with all my heart, he wants to just rearrange your life and he wants to give you purpose and passion and to live the life that you were meant to live, which is fully sold out to God. Each of us were made to worship Jesus. That's what we were made for. That's what we were made for. And tonight, God wants to do that. And there's others of you who are Christians, but God is calling you to, to change some things around in your life. Maybe he's calling you to talk to that friend in your class and share Jesus with them. Maybe he's calling you to, to start a Bible study with a friend who just needs to know the Bible. Maybe God's calling you to give of your time and finances, to sacrifice your comfort, to abandon the things that stand between you and him. You guys would stand with me. God is calling us as a group. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this, this is what gets me up in the morning. I believe God is calling us to stand in the gap for our campus who needs Jesus so desperately. He's calling us to not just go half in in our faith, but to go all in, to, to abandon anything that holds us back from reaching this campus. I believe God wants to do something supernatural through our group. And that's the whole reason behind dreaming about the future and making changes so we can make more room for more people. We want every student on our campus to have an opportunity to know Jesus. Because God didn't just give us the right to become children of God. He gave every student the right to become children of God if they only call on God and ask him to save them. God is calling us as a group to give up our pride, our self-centeredness. Maybe there's idols in our life, like a boyfriend or girlfriend or academic success. Maybe there's these different idols in our lives and they're getting in the way of God using us to our fullest potential. God is calling you to, to make to put Jesus on first place in your life. God is calling us to put all of our chips in this basket of following Jesus. If Jesus really rose from the dead, if he really defeated death, then I wanna listen to what he says and do what he's asking me to do, okay? I don't wanna just go half in. It's either all in or all out. That's my philosophy. Jesus either rose from the dead and that means I should give everything or he didn't and I'm gonna keep living my life the way I want to. If Jesus rose from the dead, that calls us to have a radical response. And when a group of students get this and lay down their lives for Jesus and the gospel, transformation and the supernatural will begin to happen. Let's make a decision tonight to just, as, as a body, to not hold anything back from Jesus. So if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, it's between you and God, no one's looking around. There's two questions. The first one is this. If you're a Christian, but you're holding on to some different things, that God's calling you to, to give up. Tonight I wanna just ask you 
to make a commitment to just abandon those things and to go all in with Jesus. That's you just raise your hand right now. Tons of hands going up. Hands all across the room. Is there anybody else? Tons of hands. Jesus, see our hands, Lord. God, we want to be used by you. We're willing to do anything, Jesus. The second question is this. You can put your hands down. If you're in this room and you've never put your faith in Christ or you have, but you've fallen away in a sense and you want to make a recommitment, don't leave this room without getting right with Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Is there anybody in this room? Anybody at all? All right, let's pray for the first question. Jesus, I just pray that tonight that you call us to go all in. Lord, I pray that tonight that you would flood our hearts with your love so we can be motivated by being a son or daughter and not motivated by trying to get you to love us, Lord. Help us to understand that you love us first and then we surrender. And help us to go all in, Jesus. Help us to not hold anything back from you. Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing. We love you so much. In your name, amen. We're just gonna sing another song.